0: episode 19 of left side heavy the podcast i'm your host jevin lafave and today is a very special episode i have on one of my favorite the host of one of my favorite podcasts it's in my top three and it's not two or three so i'll let you guys figure that one out he's coming in from the city so nice they named it twice
1: it's an honor to welcome on host of veterans minimum nick dais how's it going man that's quite the intro. I appreciate it. Uh, I think you got to listen to some different podcasts if I'm your favorite, but I am grateful for the nice words. Hey man, I got to, I got
0: to show my respect where it's due. It's uh, I, I really enjoy your show. I like to emulate mine after yours. I like the way you conduct interviews. So
1: yeah, it's an honor to have you on, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks bro. Uh, thank you for the invite. <clears throat> um, it's nice to not be the one interviewing, which yeah. is a, a pleasant surprise for me. So I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I um, ever since I started, I didn't go on any. And then I collabed with a guy from my broadcasting class. And he has one. And he asked if I wanted to go on. And it was weird not being the one kind of driving the bus. Because when you're a guest, you're not necessarily prepared for the questions they ask. So it's more keeping on your toes. So
1: it's a little different, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I really never, when I interview or do shows outside of the ones where we're actually previewing something or breaking yeah. down something, there's never really a layout to my show. So I tend to send my guest bullet points as far as what yeah. the topics are going to be. And then from there the conversation just goes. I don't like calling them interviews. I really think they're conversations, me and my guests at a bar having some beers. Yeah, That's the kind of flow and feel I want my show to have. And from what I've heard from people, that's what they get from it too. So that's something that through trial and error, I've been able to put together.
0: Yeah, especially with your um, episodes with Alan and Taryn who I come to follow on Twitter. Those are the two pieces or the two guests that I really gravitate towards because it's so casual. And if it's like, yeah, it's like you guys are just at the bar and it's not really constructed in a certain way, which is, I, I like those episodes because they're easy to listen to, but I wanted to start about veterans minimum and just how it started and where it's got to the point it's at now, like how the journey has been, but how did it mainly come together? Hmm.
1: So obviously I've always been a sports fan. I was always the sports dude in my friend group. I, yeah. I have a pretty big friend group growing up and still to this day, we don't see each other often because people have gotten married there's kids involved. There's real life shit that goes down. So <clears throat> I was always a sports dude. Like people will come up to me for my opinion on things, especially when it came to betting or NFL. And I like to say that I know a little bit about a lot. I think for the most part, because of my background in betting, I could hold conversations in any sport by yeah. just navigating through game lines or futures. So it all started around 2014. Um, my buddy Joe asked me if I'd want to be involved in a blog he was putting together called You Got Put On, and I was going to be a sports writer. Here's the thing. I don't like tweeting, let alone me putting articles together. So <laughs> I did not enjoy that one bit, but it was cool to see that form of media and journalism and then my buddy tim came on board too and he actually has a writing degree and a background in journalism and then my friend boss was also super passionate about sports and my buddy joe came to us one day and said hey i want to start a sports show would you guys be down you guys are the three people that really seem interested long story short we pull pull our money together we buy some of the equipment and then that is the birth of veterans minimum as some people know it in the early stages
0: yeah for people who don't know um his buddy Joe—he's talking about joe sanagato host of basement yard one of my other favorite podcasts i listen to that almost religiously but the early episodes of veterans minimum with the four of you guys some of the episodes were the funniest debates and arguments i've ever heard just some of tim's hot takes and everything and the reaction it got out of people it was electric which is my next bullet point i want to bring up is just like the di- the dynamic between you guys was it easy to keep the ball rolling on episodes and game
1: planning stuff uh yeah i mean we're all friends growing up so there was a natural chemistry that can't really teach and then impy came on board a little bit after He was more of the producer guy, but Impy was another person who really captivated the audience. And look, when you have multiple voices, it does get a little difficult as far as putting together a show, because I want to talk about something. He doesn't want to talk about something. He wants to talk about something else. So you're going to have that dynamic as well, but that's just, even if you were to hang out with your friends, you guys are going to flip flop different conversations 100%. Um, So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was kind of regular. It, It was the only issues we would have is we didn't want our episodes to go too long. Yeah. But for the most part, there was never, yeah, there were some times where some people wanted to talk more baseball. Some people like myself would want to talk more UFC and soccer and certain episodes would do better than others based on what the title was based on what the topics were. But for the most part, that was a fun, fun era of the show in the early stages.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. Cause I have uh, one of my best friends 20 years, he's been on my show a couple of times. It's, tr- it's tough cause I don't want to bring him on all the time because he's very focused on football where I want to expand into hockey and maybe some other facets of the sports world that he might not know too much on. So it's a matter of trying to game plan guests that know a little bit of everything to, so I can kind of keep my episodes consistent. Or I just do like two-parters or I do a segment with one person on one sport and then kind of move on to another. Kind of how I previewed the mcgregor Poirier fight. I talked the NFL games, like the coming up AFC and NFC championships. And then I had my family friend on talk UFC. So that's one thing I'm kind of learning and going through the ropes with is trying to schedule and make sure I'm not focused on one thing too much when I want to talk about others. But how did you think about the McGregor Poirier fight and the whole fight card?
1: So there's one thing the UFC does. I've been a UFC fan for a very long time. The UFC, whenever Conor McGregor fights, they rarely stack a card because people are going to buy it anyway, just because it's Conor. This was actually a pretty good card on paper heading into it. There were some really big matchups on the card. As far as the main event goes, it played out exactly how I thought it would. I thought the fight was going to end within two rounds. I actually bet Dustin Poirier to win the fight because I felt as if there was a mistake in the lines. He was too big of an underdog. And that just is what happens with Conor fights, public perception, public money comes in because let's just use a friend of yours, for example, who's not a UFC fan, but he knows Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is going to be on a card. He's going to bet Conor. Yeah. So the money always inflates Conor McGregor. Tickets inflate Conor McGregor. Hell, at one point, he was minus, he was plus 200 against Floyd Mayweather. They actually allowed us to bet Mayweather against McGregor. Um, wow. Which was a terrible mistake if you're a sports book, especially in boxing. So as far as that card goes, man, <clears throat> it kind of played out the way I thought it was. I did think Conor was going to win, though I made my. My money was tied to Poirier, and Just some people, because of the value pick that he had. Exactly, yeah. Some people don't seem to understand that unless you understand betting. Where I thought Connor was going to win, but the better bet was to make Poirier your your play because of the value and the inflated line on McGregor.
0: Yeah, because McGregor was like one point six, so you bet a hundred and you get like what like one sixty back or something.
1: The uh he, well minus mine if he's you probably get like sixty back, not minus, not one sixty. Okay. Well, not yeah, bad. you would get you would get one sixty because you would get your hundred back that you initially yeah. wager.
0: Yeah, you right. get sixty profit.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. I thought all in all it was a good fight, and my uh my friend said three things for Poirier to do is leg kicks, keep moving, and fight at fighting close and not at Connor's range. And when I watched the fight, Poirier nailed all three of those points, and he finished him off, like, early second round. Like, McGregor's leg was beat up. His calf was, like, inflated like a football. It was ridiculous, and McGregor had nothing to do but respect it. What
1: do you think McGregor could have done to change the outcome? It's hard, man. McGregor hasn't fought in about two and a half years. I know he fought... He fought Cowboy last year, but that fight lasted 40 seconds. And that was just a very, it was, it was sort of setting Connor up for a, a showcase win to get back on the winning streak. Cause, you know, Cowboy's a journeyman, but he's so well respected because he was a any spot, any place kind of guy. And he would fight five, six times a year, where usually your fighter, if you see your favorite fighter fight three times a year, that's, don't take that for granted. Usually, yeah. guys, I mean, now some champions are fighting once a year. You know, Stipe in the last three years has fought once a year, John Jones once a year. So you can't take that for granted. I think the only thing Connor could have done different was uh, it, it's hard, it's hard to say because he's always going to be southpaw because that's what he's best at. Yeah. And he has such a wide stance where it's hard for him to check kicks. And the game has changed, man. Calf kicks are no joke. If you've ever taken any sort of striking, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm a two-stripe white belt. For those that have taken BJJ, they understand that's training in the gi. Uh, Striking is a completely different animal, obviously. But, you know, calf kicks are no joke. There's no other place for that pain to travel than to stay in your calf. Guys have to get their, or girls have to get their calves drained out in order to be able to walk. And that's been the new evolution in in MMA, right? Adesanya utilized that against Paulo Costa. Volkanovski beat Max Holloway with calf kicks, it, and and then you saw what Poirier did. I mean, even Gaethje was banging up Habib, and then it just so happened that Habib just kind of overwhelmed him. But I don't think there was much else that Conor could have done outside of gain more experience, more knock off the rust, I should say, from. From not playing, not, not not fighting for a while. Yeah, because when
0: watching the fight, he was doing well in terms of boxing and striking his punches. Like I think he had more significant strikes than Poirier, but it's just Poirier beat up that leg and kind of Connor's mobility was kind of gone because he couldn't put any weight on it. So I thought Connor Connor won the first round. I saw on a bunch of people's scores he won at ten nine, and it was just Poirier slowly bit at him with the leg kicks and ended up taking
1: him down. Yeah, he, it was, it was, um, unanimous. I don't think anyone argued against Connor winning that first round. Yeah. But he got set up by the calf kicks and then eventually it was just too much for him to, to, to surpass that.
0: Yeah, because he, wa- he left the dressing rooms on a crutch and couldn't put any weight on it. So, yeah, clearly no joke if a fighter like McGregor is suffering like that. But we're talking the day after the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady went in his seventh. Totally outrageous. Before we hit the Super Bowl, I just want to quickly ask you what you took from the season overall.
1: I was, I was surprised that the season actually got played. I think the NFL really showed their arrogance. Some would say their ability to just continue to move forward. We have a season. We got to get through it. Um, it was weird seeing some venues with and without fans. And I think it kind of played out the way I thought it would. Tampa Bay was a team. A lot of people were predicting. I pick kansas city from the beginning of the year and they got back there nothing really surprised me to be honest with you um the only thing i guess that surprised me was miami if i had to pick a team yeah but besides that there was nothing crazy that i didn't see coming
0: yeah i thought um cam would maybe play a bit better than he did but they didn't really utilize he didn't Couldn't really throw the ball that much. He's averaging like 70 yards a game. He had that one big game against the Seahawks in week two, but that's about it. Um, Your Giants, I think they played decent for losing Saquon early in the season. I think their defense came to play. But, yeah, all in all, Flores was my coach of the year to start. And, yeah, they just came to play, my opinion. Uh, A lot of people's opinions. But do you think any – oh, this is what I want to bring up. Uh, Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. There's been a standoff with the GM of Houston and Deshaun Watson. He wants out. They don't want to move him. What do you think goes on? And what will happen with Watson in the near future?
1: You know, it's funny. I was just talking about that on my show today, those, those exact two guys. I think with Watson I've been I've been looking forward to the day where a player of that magnitude forces his way out of a situation the way NBA players do. Yeah. So, I'm curious to see if that's going to happen. I think the relationship is so broken in Houston that I can't see him starting week 1 next year for them. Yeah. Now the question becomes, where can he go? I made the case for him going to Miami because Miami has – Miami is the only team that could give up a lot to get him while not losing a lot. Yeah. What I mean by that is if the Jets – my buddy Stefan, who I used to play high school football with, he actually had a a week-and-a-half tryout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after college. Wow. He went to rookie training camp, and then he grew up in Missouri – lived 20 minutes away from Arrowhead. Ironically enough, the day after we had booked him to come, you know, he lives in Nevada. Now he visited New York and we were planning this for about two months now. And then it just so happens that the team he went to try out for and the team that he adopted in a way are the teams that are in the super bowl. So we were talking about that entire conversation. He's a big jets fan and if you're the Jets and you trade four first-round picks and Sam Darnold for Watson, I don't think you could do that if you're the Jets because you have so many holes to fill.
0: Yeah, I agree. Where M-
1: Miami can afford to give up three first-round picks in Tua because they have a really good defense, they have some weapons on offense, and then Watson can elevate those guys to the next step. I mean, hell, they won 10 games this year, right? So yeah. you add Watson to that, I think you're looking at a team that could get to 11 to 12 wins, maybe even more. So that's that's kind of where I'm at between the places where I think it, the betting man that I am, I would bet Watson going to Miami.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the Jets, their defense has holes. Like, it didn't really live up, and they – didn't sign Robbie Anderson and bring him back. And he had really good chemistry with Darnold. And then Gase was hot garbage. And like, I also don't think Darnold is necessarily the problem in New York because he shows flashes of brilliance and shows that he can be a starter in this league, but it's just, he doesn't really have a lot around him. Denzel Mims, he was in and out of the lineup with injuries and everything, but yeah, I, don't think it's worth risking the f- picks in the future for Watson when you're just going to have the same problem he had in Houston. But I think Miami makes the most sense. Now, do you think Washington is in on any of these quarterbacks?
1: Uh, if it's the right price... I I think Heineke was the best quarterback play they had all year. Yeah. And my buddy Josh is a big Washington fan, and he agrees with me. He's someone that watches Washington every week. Doesn't watch Red Zone. He watches Washington. So that's another team that could risk some draft picks to get them because I think their team is really good. Just they didn't have a quarterback, right? They got McClure, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson. They're even discussing Chase Young in a package for Deshaun Watson. And I would do that because, especially if you're Washington, you have four or five guys right now on the defensive line that's your strength. Yeah, none of them are as good as Chase Young, but the drop-off isn't that ridiculous between Chase Young and the next guy. So, yeah, Washington, I think, will be in on those guys. I I think that's a sneaky place for Cam to end up. Ron Rivera is there as well. Wow, I didn't think of Cam. That's interesting. Cam Newton. Yeah, that's that's the to use the wrestling term and fantasy book, I think him going to care to Washington would be my my most logical uh destination. Wow. That'd
0: be interesting. But because a lot of people are counting Cam out to not play another snap and or at least not be a starter. But I'd be interesting seeing him in Washington. It makes most sense with Rivera there. And Now with Carson Wentz, I got a notification a few days ago saying that he'd be traded within the coming days. Uh, Do you have an ideal spot for him? And is it worth giving
1: up a ton for Carson Wentz? I don't think you're going to be able to get a ton for Carson Wentz if you're Philadelphia. I think at this point, He might be damaged goods to some people. I'm not really going out on a limb with this one, but everyone is talking about him going to Indianapolis because of his ties to Frank Wright. Yeah. So that's probably where I would say he ends up going. Uh, Frank Wright was with him in Philadelphia. So I think Frank Wright going over there and Wentz maybe reuniting with him can be something. So... That's probably where I would like to see him go, especially if you have that offensive line, you have a defense that's pretty solid, right? Like they were underrated, then they became overrated, but I think they're properly rated. Yeah. When I think of the Colts defense, I think like 12 to 16 range, which is good enough. And you add Carson Wentz, if you could revive his career, I think that's a tremendous buy low candidate especially if he's going back to a guy
0: that he once had ties with or he has ties with, right. it kind of gets him in a better comfort zone, better mindset with Jalen hurts coming in and taking a spot. He might be a little flustered. So I think going into a, a guy system where he knows him well, then he might get back into a groove like he was in 2017 when he sh- would have won the MVP. Had he not torn his ACL. What do the Giants do in this offseason? What do your boys do? What pick do they
1: have? Honestly, I have no idea. I haven't really dove into the draft. Um, So I'm not really sure. I can pull it up right now. But I mean, the Giants have a lot of issues as well, right? People were worked up about them potentially winning the division and whatnot. But you also got to remember there's a team that won six games. So there's a lot yeah. of issues. The only reason why it came down to the last week is because the division was so bad. They have the 11th pick. They got some decisions to make, right? Do you bring back Evan Ingram? Do you bring, bring back Golden Tate? Pretty much everyone on the defense is, is locked in this besides Leonard Williams, who got franchised last year. What do you do with him? So um. I think you get Barkley back. You need more from Andrew Thomas. I think I would continue to just add more to the offensive line. And if that Super Bowl showed you anything, it's that offensive lineman, though every fan boos it when his team does take an offensive lineman. That's that's how you win.
0: Yeah, protection is key. You need to give your quarterback some time to look for options. If he's running for his life like Mahomes did in the Super Bowl, And you're not going to get any momentum going your way and like no consistency. You can't get in rhythm. So protecting your quarterback is mandatory and it's definitely a good safety blanket to just get like O linemen. If you don't know what to do, just, just um, stock up on linemen and see what the best product comes out. But yeah, I can agree with that. Let's talk Super Bowl. And people would say it's an upset, even though the line was pretty close, but a lot of people had KC blowing Tampa out because of how much of a juggernaut they've been all year. Uh, what were your takeaways from the game? And what when did you see that it was going to play out differently than everyone had planned?
1: I think it was very noticeable from the first two drives that Tampa was able to do whatever they wanted in the trenches and Kansas City couldn't. Kansas City couldn't get any pressure on Brady and Kansas City couldn't block anybody. So I thought it was going to be ugly within the first two drives of the game for Kansas City. And you realize just how important the offensive line is. Again, I I know it sounds very boring, but... you need to be able to protect. Patrick Mahomes ran for 497 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, which is just really absurd. That that's five football fields. If people <laughs> yeah. aren't really aware of, so it's cool to do that one or two times. When you're doing that one or two times a drive, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to ask for. And look, his receivers didn't really help him out. I don't know what Michael Harmon did the night before or what he did that morning, but that guy looked lost. Yeah. Darrell Williams could have had a Super Bowl highlight if he catches that pass. I had him right off the face mask. Tyree kills some drops. Travis Kelsey, some drops early. So, look, Mahomes wasn't Superman. He showed us that he's human. But also, that's the kind of thing that happens when your offensive line is in shambles. And, yeah, they lost Eric Fisher. But it wasn't just that they lost Eric Fisher your right tackle becomes your left tackle your right guard becomes your right tackle then a backup backup right guard remember cuz they lost their right guard at the beginning yeah. of the season the the doctor tardif tardif yeah who i believe he's canadian if oh, yeah, i'm not mistaken from, yeah he's from montreal <clears throat> yeah so he elected to sit out of the covid season in order to be able to help out with being a first responder and whatnot and being someone to just help out with the pandemic. So you're really looking at like a third string right guard. And the one thing that Tampa Bay was able to do all year long was generate pressure with just three or four linemen. And the my biggest regret from the Super Bowl was that I was too stubborn to change my pick because I picked Kansas City from the beginning of the year. I hold myself to a high standard and I should have saw that coming with three offensive linemen out for Kansas City and that pass rush being so phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I uh, tweeted a few times and I replied to a couple comments on Twitter saying my respect for Mahomes was already high. And I hate to say it because I'm a Pats guy and I can see him and the Chiefs kingdom just slowly taking the crown from us as one of the best dynasties. To be in the NFL because I can just see them being in the Super Bowl every single year as long as Mahomes is there. But so, like, my respect for him was already high. And then after that game, it skyrocketed because he was doing everything he could to keep plays alive and push the ball downfield. And he got screwed over with half his offensive line out, like we were pointing out earlier. Three out of the five, I think we're missing. And his receivers were dropping balls. His defense were kind of hurting themselves in terms of some of the penalties they were taking. I know Tampa got gifted a couple times, but they were still holding and not doing what they're supposed to do. So it kind of hurt the Chiefs getting the ball back when they could have, if they just stayed disciplined. But and Mahomes had turf toe, so he wasn't necessarily the most mobile he could be. So my respect for him like skyrocketed because he did as much as he could. And obviously that game just did not play out the way they intended. But did you have any problems with the refing in uh, some of the calls that
1: they made? Because that was nah, a huge no. thing on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, everyone's always going to complain about the rest when there's an excessive m- amount of yellow flags being thrown. And then when you factor in that false narrative that the NFL is fixed for Brady to win, I don't buy that stuff. I think the only one that I thought was a little funny was the penalty on Honey Badger in the end zone to Mike Evans because I yeah. thought my buddy Stefano was talking about it today. I thought the ball hit the stands, which it did. It hit like the bottom of the stands. Yeah. But his, his point was that it was more of a line drive so that Evans could go up and high point it and honey badger bumped them there. So that's the only one where I was like, I don't know if I'm calling that there. Cause I didn't think it was catchable besides that, like the deep ball to Mike Evans. If that dude doesn't tackle him there and knock him down, that's a touchdown. That's a 40, 50 yard touchdown there. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't really have an issue with the refs, man. I, I feel like you also lost by three scores, dude. So you lost by three scores. It, it, it's not the referees at that point.
0: Yeah, maybe put your offense together and come up with a backup plan if things aren't working out. Maybe right. get some offense going. But if yeah, like if you're losing by twenty two points, then it's a little bit more than the refs that you can blame it on, because even if some of those calls weren't called they were still like in field goal range so they were still getting some points off it's not like they were gifted 24 maybe take um four points off of the honey badger call because i don't think that should have been called either so but they're in field goal range so nine times out of ten that's going to be hit so that's three points there anyway so Tampa was still getting their points and kansas city just couldn't get anything going do you think Anyone can catch Brady at this point?
1: I mean, it's very hard, right? Like yesterday, we saw the only guy that could potentially catch him just because of how good Mahomes is. But yeah, seven is going to be really difficult, man. You're talking about – you need to – first of all, getting to 10 Super Bowls is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's really – he's been in the league for 21 years, but he's really played 19, right? Yeah. He didn't play his rookie year. And then in 08, he tears his ACL. So he's been to 10 Super Bowls in 19 years. He's been to more Super Bowls in seasons. He's been active, yeah. to say the least. So <clears throat> yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to catch Brady, man. This is a guy also who takes less money for his team to be good. Yeah. So and you don't see you don't see athletes doing that. So I think that's just a this is just a once in a lifetime kind of player and situation that we need to just appreciate. I always liked Brady. I had no issue with them. My favorite team is the Giants. They've beaten them twice. And that only helps the resume for Eli Manning and the Giants, right? Yeah. How do you <laughs> he's seven and three in, in the, the Super Bowls, but his two losses are to the Giants, which is crazy. So yeah. it's gonna be hard to catch to catch uh Brady.
0: Yeah, people a lot of people call him overrated just because of some of the things that... they're idiots happened for him to win and i just call absolute bs on that because success you get lucky like you need to be lucky in order to succeed in most situations and but if you look at him he plays good and mainly every game that he's played and you got to remember he's 40 plus like yeah he didn't play the best against the rams but he was 41 and the game against the Eagles that he lost, he set a Super Bowl record for passing yards in a game or in a Super Bowl with 500. So I don't think anyone... It wasn't him.
1: He wasn't the issue in those games. Yeah, he can't right, play right.
0: defense as well. And this is a little bit off topic, but one of the things, one of the narratives I hate is seeing people saying Foles outdueled Brady in that Super Bowl, and it just it makes me claw at my skin because Brady was the better quarterback that day but his defense just couldn't um his defense just couldn't put together some stops and then he dropped the pass and then the Eagles ran Philly Philly so it doesn't really make him look too good but yeah I think Brady he's sitting at the top for a very long time and Mahomes was this close to being in a situation where he could catch him. If he had two Super Bowls and Brady had six, but now Mahomes has one and Brady has seven, so it just makes it extremely harder to catch him. And it will be interesting to see how careers play out. And I could see Tampa going back with the team that they have.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard, man, to repeat. Right? It's only yeah. happened recently. The Pats 0304 was the last time that that happened. So you never know. The NFC is really loaded as well. Like I think the Rams yeah. are going to be really good. Packers are going to be back as well. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens 100%. in New Orleans. So it's it's always hard to to say that. Oh yeah, they'll be back because we we felt the same way about San Francisco last year. Like oh, it's going to be the Super Bowl again. Yeah. You never true. know, man. You never yeah. know. Kansas City has also been really really lucky up until these playoffs with injury luck. They haven't lost anyone until the playoffs. So you just never know. You just really never know. Yeah,
0: there's a report that Mike Evans said that he would take less money or to take some of the money off of his future contract negotiations or something to put towards other players to bring him in or to improve the team, which will only help the chemistry in the locker room. So it obviously it's hard to – the only – there's no progression for next year. It's only either the same or to regress because they won the Super Bowl. It's hard to kind of beat that next year. But I also wanted to chime in on Brady taking less money. This Tampa contract was the first time he really uh, pushed or went for uh, the money because in New England, he was making like $15 million a year. If you compare that to the guys like Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan and now Mahomes, that's like a drop in a bucket. And he really went for the bag with Tampa making 30 mil a year. So
1: well, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy too much into that because the Patriots would do these like weird signing bonuses where yeah, it true. would be something where he would get a thirty million dollar signing bonus, but he'd be a twelve million dollar cap hit. So He's fine. He's made his money, right? Don't yeah. feel bad for Tom Brady. His wife but, also is like the number one supermodel yeah. in the world. So they're yeah. the Brady's are doing well. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah.
0: He's in good hands. He, he can make my yearly salary and he'll be fine. But you brought up the Rams being a possible Super Bowl contender next year. What was your reaction to the Matt Stafford trade?
1: I liked it. I liked it. You got to remember something about the city of Los Angeles. They don't really value first round picks in any sport. They don't want draft picks. They don't want prospects. They want stars. It's always been a star city and it's always a star league, no matter what league you're in. And I know in particular, I'm talking about the Lakers, but look at what the Rams have done with McVay. I can't, I was having trouble during the show today trying to remember a first-round pick under McVay because I know they gave one up for Ramsey. I know they gave one up for Brandon Cooks. They just give them out. they rather get established stars in. And what they did with the Matthew Stafford deal is, yeah, sure, the Lions get first-round picks, but you're probably looking at first-round picks in the mid-20s anyway because the Rams are making the playoffs pretty much every year. So it's not like you gave up a first-round pick that's going to be a top-four pick. And you're saying to yourself, "Oh, shit! Look what just happened with Miami and Houston, right? They yeah. make that trade two years ago, and now that pick is the third pick in the draft, and Miami has it." So, I don't know, man. I I wouldn't I wouldn't buy too much into the draft picks, but I I've always been a Matthew Stafford guy. Me too. He was overrated coming into the league because of the money he was making, but now I think he's become underrated. So I really like him going to the Rams. And I think the Rams were just fed up with Jared Goff. and He's so inconsistent. Like, Goff would have some good games,
0: but then he'd have another game where he'd throw no touchdowns and, like, two picks with, like, just over 200 yards passing, which for a quarterback isn't really ideal. So I think Matt Stafford brings a bit more consistency to the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I couldn't agree with you more. And also it's just a change of – a change of scenery, too. I think Stafford going to a team that's clearly a contender. He's never really played for one. Yeah. Like, the years that he made the playoffs with the Lions, they weren't expected to make the playoffs. It just so happened. Where now, there's expectations, man. You know, the Super Bowl next year is in L.A. Oh. I wouldn't be surprised if they're there. They do something like Tampa Bay did. I really like the Rams next year to to, to make some noise. Me, too. Do you think
0: – um the value for all the skill position players in LA go up with Stafford coming in, or do they kind of maintain the same level? Like Woods, Cup, uh, Cam Akers, Higby, players like that?
1: No, I think it definitely elevates them. Um, I would definitely say it, it elevates them. And I think that the one thing, you're looking at with those guys is now they have a quarterback who can make a lot more throws than Jared Goff could. And you can't undersell the idea of a guy going to a new situation where there is some potential and he's optimistic and the team is optimistic. That's definitely going to help them. So I, 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 I'm very bullish on the Rams. I think the only downside to them is that division is going to be really, really good. So they could win 11 games and be the third best team in that division. Cause that division is stacked.
0: Yeah, Uh, kind of speaking of that division, do San Francisco, do you think they make any noise in the offseason? Because I've kind of heard rumblings of moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And
1: do you think they bring any other quarterback in? Well, they're another team that's linked to Watson or has interest in Watson because every team should have interest in Watson or at least yeah. make the phone call. <laughs> yeah. So no team got... injury bug worse than san francisco yeah and awful yeah they they got it bad so if you're you're just looking at you getting your guys back that should be good enough for you to be way better than what you were this year
0: yeah for sure how do you think the season plays out next year a little early season prediction with i know there's like some upcoming moves and the draft obviously and some of the offseason but very early prediction. How do you think it plays
1: out? Uh, Yeah, there, there are a lot of moves to be made. This is a pretty deep free agency pool. There's a lot of big-name players that are free agents. Um, guys coming off franchise tags. A lot of wide receivers. Juju, Galladay, Allen Robinson, Wolf Fuller, just to name a few. You're talking about guys that can make an impact anywhere that they yeah. go. Now Patrick Peterson. because Patrick move. Peterson as well has been asked to, to – be sent away so, and also you have all these quarterbacks. Where are these quarterbacks gonna yeah. the land? Who's gonna be in Chicago? What's gonna happen in Pittsburgh? What's gonna happen with the Jets, Miami? There's so much to tell. The only thing that I'm confident in saying is I think, I think Kansas City is gonna be back. I'm more confident in Kansas City getting back there than I am Tampa Bay getting back there. So, I, I think in the AFC. I'm not going to overreact. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen from a talent standpoint. Yeah. And there's not a lot he can't do there. This three-year run that he's been on is, I can't think of a better one that someone's had, right? He throws for 50 touchdowns, wins MVP. The next year he wins the super bowl. The year after that, he goes to the super bowl. So what it could have showed up. What happens if he has a full offensive line? We'll never know. But I, I think, it's in the NFC, all the quarterbacks are kind of clustered together, where yeah. in the AFC it's Mahomes and then it's everyone else. And I think I'm yeah. gonna give the edge to Kansas City there.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh do you have any hot takes for either the offseason or anything future related to
1: the NFL? Honestly, not really. I just think that you're gonna see you're gonna see some quarterbacks, like big name quarterbacks, or at least the Watson Wentz I mean we already saw Stafford Darnold I think you're going to see some quarterbacks in new places and that's going to that's going to ruin one team's season because they lost that quarterback yeah and then it's going to elevate another team's season who he's going to and then you got to factor in the games in that division too that are going to flip right so there's a lot, man. I just think if I had to give you a hot take right now, dude, I would say that it's the idea of some quarterbacks going to new places outside of Stafford. Like, I think you're going to see some more go. And look, in the end of the day, it's cool if Juju goes to a new team or Allen Robinson goes to a new team. The quarterback is where things actually gets real. So I could see some quarterbacks moving. Uh.
0: I'm playing a little bias here, but how did you think of hometown boy? Uh, for me at least, uh, Chase Claypool this year for the Steelers got a little cocky as the season went on. But what was your takeaway from Claypool?
1: He was fantastic. He was a guy who a lot of people were high on coming into the draft. I'm sure some teams regret letting him slip to Pittsburgh. Yeah, but also Pittsburgh develops that position better than any team in professional sports develops a position. Yeah, I'm talking about across all sports. No one produces talent at wide receiver better at that position in any professional sport, like just, you know, defensemen on the senators or some shit, you know, or. Or soccer players from Ajax in the Netherlands. Like the Steelers will draft a dude in the fifth round who's going to end up starting on your fantasy team by like week eight. That's just yes. what they do. And you just look at, just go back in time, dudes. Antonio Holmes, Antoine Randall L., Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Juju, Antonio Brown. Yeah. You're talking about guys that are, ballers, man. Even James Washington is good. Deontay Johnson just... They have so many weapons out there, and you just knew Claypool when he went there. He was going to be good because of the situation he went to, and also the dude's a talent. Yeah, he's an athletic freak. He's 6'4",
0: 240, runs a 4'5", or like a 4'4". And at Notre Dame, he was like winning 50-50 balls in the end zone. And I think the... His pro day, not having a pro day, kind of hurt his stock a bit. I think he would have gone a bit higher. Be just because he might be able to bit show like just a bit more what he could do in terms of athleticism and just catching the football. But no, I was yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that just because I wanted not a lot of people talked about him coming into the year. And he was like an early front-runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and then Herbert decided to sling that thing around, and he ultimately won it. But yeah. yeah, I was really happy with the way uh, Claypool played, and I hope he doesn't turn out like a standard Pittsburgh receiver where he's like super cocky, and then he has to eat his words a whole bunch more often than not. But we'll see how it goes. I wanted to move into the NFL Awards. They were awarded on if I'm not mistaken, Saturday. And there were some, not not a lot of surprises, but were there any winners that you think it was the wrong choice?
1: I think the only one that people had a gripe with was Aaron Donald winning defensive player of the year. I know a lot of people wanted TJ Watt. I thought TJ Watt also, especially when the Steelers defense started to fall apart. Yeah. Right. They lose Devin Bush. They lose a couple of other pieces on their defense. Watt was still just so consistent, but also like you watch some of the film on Donald man. And he's one of the few guys where, when I watch game pass, which is the all 22, yeah. you, you watch a defensive lineman and he's taking on three, four guys at once. So <laughs> no, and he's yeah, and that's why his, that's why his numbers aren't that good, but I don't really have an issue with anything. I think everything was clean cut. I would have preferred rookie of the year going to Justin Jefferson over Justin Herbert. Just because the dude had 1,400 yards receiving, man. Like, yeah. that's crazy. He played more than Justin Herbert, too. And also, I think of it like this, man. Justin Herbert has a chance to win MVP one year, right? Jefferson's never going to get another award. He's never yeah. been a wide receiver to win MVP. So the closest it ever got to was Randy Moss, but then Brady threw 50 touchdowns that, that year. <laughs> yeah. So I just think it would have been cool if, if you gave that to Justin Jefferson. But I don't really got... I don't really have any issue with, with any of the awards.
0: Yeah, I, Justin Herbert, I think there was a big argument because he won, he broke some rookie records and everything, and he was just slipped out of top five in passing yards, and he was in the top ten of touchdowns. And just with that one less game played, who knows how it could have worked out for him personally, but, man, Justin Jefferson, that guy had an absolute season. And I don't know if you saw the video, but it was the Eagles and Vikings draft room. And it was uh Peterson, Doug Peterson, and the GM. They were talking and uh, making their draft pick. And the on the other side of the video, it was the Vikings draft room. And they were like, they gotta pick Jefferson there, so we should go cornerback since they're gonna pick Justin. And they ended up picking Jalen Rieger. And the reaction that the Vikings coaching staff and GM had, they were going absolute crazy in their office because they were like, I can't believe he slipped down to us. And they were like, pick Jefferson right now. Like they made – they got on the phone right away and didn't converse about it at all. Made the phone call to Jefferson, drafted him, and then, you know, he had 1,400 receiving yards. So it was kind of funny to see – they knew from the get-go that this guy was going to be special – And shout out to him because it was like in the NHL, there's this defenseman who had a career year, but he had a year left on his contract and they drafted a guy in the top five, another defenseman. And he was, he made, he excelled in the playoffs after he finished college. So they knew from that performance that the guy who had one year left, that he was feasible. So they traded him for depth on their forward. And then this guy ended up winning rookie of the year. So I kind of relate that to Minnesota, even though they didn't know they were going to get Jefferson, they knew Diggs would have been feasible. And they knew that it was deep at the wide receiver position that they could bring in someone on a cheaper deal than what Diggs would want. So I think Minnesota executed that off season perfectly with Jefferson and I think if they had a bit more consistent play at quarterback, then they could have been really dangerous this year.
1: I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I think uh, it it was weird. Like it was it was one of the trades that I think both teams would do again. Jefferson draft pick, which became Jefferson for Stephon Diggs. I think both teams would sign up for that again, knowing what they know now. You get Jefferson on a way cheaper deal than what Buffalo has Diggs, but You saw what Diggs did for Josh Allen. Yeah, I think I think it was perfect.
0: Yeah, Diggs had a career year, led league in receptions and yards. But yeah, I think the awards were went to the right people. Except I thought TJ Watt was gonna win Defense Player of the Year, just because he was so dominant. But also you bring up a good point with Donald being like triple teamed every single play. And it kind of, <laughs> and he still fought for like thirteen sacks, so it's just it just shows how dominant he is at his position. But moving on, I just want to quickly touch over uh, NBA basketball. I haven't necessarily been following a ton of the season, but what have you taken away so far? As we're just over a quarter way through the shortened season.
1: I think at any moment, the NBA might fall because some of the COVID protocols are pretty wacky and teams are are getting snake bit by it. Um, Durant the other night started the game. They pulled him. He came back in and then they pulled him again, which was weird. Um, I think the Lakers are the best team in the league, and I think that it's it's a very wide gap. And I think that depending on how healthy Joel Embiid stays, the Sixers could be a problem in the East. But besides that, man, the one thing with the with the NBA is it's become a very big storyline league more than yeah. anything because people feel as if it's top heavy. And also, yeah, that dynamic, those three guys in Brooklyn that combined have a 92% usage rate, which is absurd, right? Like if you have yeah. a 30 usage rate, you're like it's all time high. And these three guys surpass that. But they're all playing, they're all friends too. But it's that's the most exciting because that could implode at any minute. Yeah. And
0: is there any like rookies that are playing at a
1: level that surprises you? I mean, as a Knicks fan, it's quickly, is everybody in in New York loves quickly. LaMelo's playing well. Um, you know, it's it's weird with these young guys because they had no training camp, really. They had no preseason. So right away, they got forced into playing regular season important basketball. So I would just be patient with young guys, man, especially in the NBA. They they come into the league at 18, 19 years old, whereas in the NFL, they come in at 21, 22. It's a big gap, dude. You were probably an yeah. asshole at 18. At 22, you're probably a completely different person. So... I just think that you got to be patient with these guys in the NBA.
0: Yeah, such a big difference going from either Europe or from college or as some players in the future, it might uh, enable the straight from high school to the league. And these guys are like athletes, athletes. So it's definitely a big difference. It's going to take – like genetic freaks like zion is like once in a blue moon right you don't see that guy's that that athletically gifted like all the time so it takes a few years for guys to beef up to the professional level in order to compete down low and all that but do you have any uh, early season awards for players like mvp um defensive player of the year coach of the year
1: um, coach of the year, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say Tibbs. The Knicks are in the playoffs right now, and they have the number one defense in the NBA. Uh, just the fact that they have a competitive team is insane. Yeah. Um, MVP, probably LeBron. LeBron is playing at a really high level right now. And rookie of the year, probably, man, off the top, I want to say LaMelo, but I also feel like that's wrong. But I think he's been he's he he's had some NBA Twitter nights where NBA Twitter just goes absolutely bonkers because yeah. of him. So that's probably where I'm at now, man. I, I think you still need a little bit more time get 100%. to the 25 30 game mark before you yeah. can really start giving out these awards.
0: Yeah, my uh, beginning of the season pick was James Wiseman because I just think with in Golden State, Draymond Green was sitting out early in the year with either injury or illness or something. And I think he took even a big step in the first game and he started to heat up. And I was worried about LaMelo ball because getting the shot off, it's kind of a goofy form, kind of like his brother Lonzo. But LaMelo's fit in well. And I still am not necessarily not confident in Wiseman. I still think he has a chance to take the next level. Cause I think he's doing pretty good in golden state, but Yeah, LaMelo's just kind of taking over some games. And like you said, he's getting a lot of highlights and everything. So I definitely think popularity in terms of social media goes a long way in the voting, which I don't know is necessarily the right idea, but I think it definitely helps. Yeah, so as we're kind of winding down, I wanted to do something a little lighthearted almost i know you've been taking your trips to toronto as i've listened to some of your episodes but i have how what was your uh intelligence on some of the canadian slang that we use up here what about it yeah
1: are you um do you kind of know some of it nah i i don't i don't really know i thought you were gonna mention words and me try to figure out what it was like i know you guys say a a lot yeah, we do say it's more things.
0: Yeah, I do have a list of six here, but do you know what a 2-4 is? A 2-4? No. It's like a 24-pack of beer. Okay. I, I think you guys say like a, I don't know if like 12-pack, it's like a case. But yeah, 2-4. Uh, Mickey. no do you have a guess of what it could be
1: (laughs) i feel like it's a drug reference
0: no it's like a little it's like an iphone size of hard alcohol oh a mickey okay yeah mickey with an m
1: oh with an m okay yeah
0: um Uh. last one here because i know you want to kind of wind it down but um a timbit
1: you stumped me, bro, on these.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's like a bite-sized donut from Timmy's, like Tim
1: Hortons. That's like... Oh, yeah, I know about Tim Hortons. I went to school in Buffalo, so I'm familiar with Tim Hortons.
0: Yeah, so a Timbit's like a bite-sized donut. Just a, I just wanted to kind of do that when I knew I was having a New Yorker on. I wanted to see if I can catch you with some of the Canadian we use up here. But I, I hope love you...
1: It. I love it. I might have to ask you again later on when I, I'm able to go up to Canada. I love going up there. So yeah, it's a good time.
0: But yeah, so uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I can't believe I ended up doing this with you. I love listening to your show, but if you want to plug some of your podcasts or some of the guys that I'm close with, maybe you can get an idea of what you do.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I appreciate you also a little behind the scenes. We moved the date up a day earlier. Uh, For me, just because something came up. So I I appreciate that. And I respect that. Um, I I usually don't like doing that to people. I know how annoying it could be, but I appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, At Veterans Minimum, man, is where you can find everything for the show. A lot of cool stuff coming up. A lot of very, very interesting guests coming in. I got about 15 guests booked over the next four weeks. So with the ability to have them come in studio, it's going to be super sick. And then at the lamp shows we can find everything that involves me. but everything is everything coincides. So if you follow Vm you follow me and then the other way around.
0: Yeah, please go listen to a show. Um, it's kind of what inspired me to do mine. Uh, a lot of cool guests on there so definitely go check that out and you know where to follow me at Jevin.Lefebvre on Instagram and at leftsideheavy. heavy.thepod You can find my Twitter through there at Jevon and at side heavy. Don't forget to subscribe and download. Thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time.